You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Oh, I'm supposed to call him. Crap. Hello? Is this Mickey Thomas? This is him. Mickey, this is Ethan with the Eagle. I apologize for my tardiness. I'm so used to uh, oh, the, okay. the artist calling me that I was sitting here waiting, and I rem remembered off the top of my head, I'm supposed to call him. Uh, no problem. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How about you? I am doing fantastic. Can't wait for you to be here along with John Waite on the first. Going to be, I believe, yeah. the official first acts on this brand new amphitheater stage that we are launching in downtown Clearwater called The Sound. So that'll be a great night. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing my buddy John Waite. You know, that's going to be fun to catch up with him. And, uh, yeah, a good time will be had by all. I'll be there, and I get to introduce both you and John, so that'll be fun for me hanging out on stage. Speaking Great. of John, did you and him ever uh, like do any songs together just for fun? Maybe you guys collab on a track on stage on the first? Uh, no, we've never worked on anything together. You know, we've just crossed paths, you know, several times over the years, uh, mostly just hanging out, having fun, or maybe a couple of times we had some shows together, so we, you know. Uh, hang out a little bit backstage together, but we've never collaborated on anything together. But you know, who knows? <laughs> you know Anything's possible, happens. right? <laughs> exactly. Now, you uh, actually got a really huge start with the Elvin Bishop Band and fooled around and fell in love. Is that how you sort of attracted the eye of the people in Starship back in the late seventies? Yes, more than anything else, it was uh, fooled around and fell in love. But. Uh, you know, I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area, which was where the Jefferson Starship was based. So so they kind of knew about me a little bit, you know. Um, the musical community and the San Francisco Bay Area back then was pretty tight-knit. And um, the story goes that one of the roadies actually put together a tape, a cassette tape, of course, of, uh, of uh, you know, the work I'd done with Elvin Bishop and my first solo album and and then some some live stuff that I had done playing clubs around town, and he brought that into the band, and and then that's what really piqued their interest, and so they invited me in to uh, to meet the band and hang out and possibly join Jefferson Starship. Well, at least you can say he didn't make a demo on a reel to reel tape because that would have taken you back yeah. a few more years. <laughs> yeah, it would have. <laughs> so, cassettes cassettes were you know pretty new then in the late eighties, so. Yeah, they were still the hot thing when I was coming up in the music, and then, of course, they would yeah. warp, and you'd lose the song, and then CDs, and then and I've bought the same albums five times now. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. You know, and now, and now we just, you know, it's all Spotify now. So <laughs> True. Now, you, you were talking about how tight-knit the San Francisco music scene was. Was it then easy for you to jump into an established band like Starship and find your place, or was that a little harder because they all had their roles? 
Well, the hardest part for me was really just musical styles more than anything else. You know, coming from the Elvin Bishop band and and my uh, most of my influences were in rhythm and blues, soul music, gospel, uh, blues. You know, so so trying to take my musical experience and see how that was going to fit in the context of Jefferson Starship, it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around that. So, so that was I was a little hesitant at first to join, but it was mostly just because of the musical differences. And then, but once I, I agreed to go and hang out and meet the guys and jam a little bit, and that's when they showed me the new direction they were planning on going musically. One, of the, the first thing they played for me was a real rough version of Jane. So I thought, oh well, that doesn't sound like anything that I had ever associated with Jefferson Starship. That's kind of new and cool and different. So. So we started messing around with Jane, and then that's when I thought this might just work out, and uh, unfortunately, it did. Yeah, because uh, you know the early iterations of Jefferson Airplane and then uh, Starship, they were sort of anti-pop, counterculture, rock, protest music. And when you joined the band uh, with your pop sensibilities coming from the Elvin Bishop, yeah. ba- Bishop band, it kind of helped direct that new era into a much, much more popular uh, time of the career. Yeah, I think so. You know, they were more, uh, you know, right before I joined, the biggest radio presence for Starship, Jefferson Starship, had been Marty Ballin's uh, ballads, you know, like Miracles and Count on Me and, you know, With Your Love. So, so of course, obviously, Jane was, you know, a much harder edge sound than those. So, so yeah, you know, we kind of uh, segued from the sort of folksy, sort of Jefferson Starship sound into a much more harder edge, uh, more of a, a rock sound, but with my, you know, gospel and blues and R&B influences vocally on top of it. It sounds like Starship over the multiple generations and decades has been one of those bands that's not afraid to try whatever the the new yeah. technology is and just get experimental as much as they feel like. Is that still true today? Uh, absolutely. You know, especially then, you know, when we when we were you know, making albums on a more of a, a regular basis, you know, every year or so, every year and a half or whatever, you know, we'd make a new album. So, and then, and then especially when we made the transition from uh, <clears throat> Nuclear Furniture to the Knee Deep and the Hoopla album, that's when we really decided to, to shake it up and totally try to reinvent the band and just shorten the name to Starship. And, uh, you know, we were experimenting with uh, new uh, new ways to create music, uh, in the studio, you know, with uh, synthesizers and computers and samples and sequences and, you know, all of the the new stuff that was available to us, all of the new tools that were available as far as making music. So, we, yeah, we definitely, we consciously made a decision to completely shake it up with the Hoopla album, come out of the box with something totally new and different from what uh, Starship had done in the past. Well, I think everybody in the world would agree that Knee Deep in the Hoopla was a definite sea change for the band compared to what they'd done before, yeah. Speaking of which, the Knee Deep in the Hoopla, it's such an interesting and versatile phrase, and it's a lot more timeless than people get credit for. It can apply to anything, even, you know, modern life right now will kind of feel Knee Deep in the Hoopla. Whose phrase was that? The phrase, it's actually one of the... It's a line, a lyric from We Built This City. Right, but uh, is that something that you guys yeah. said around, or was that just something that you'd written yeah. in a song and was able to pull it out? I, you know, the thing that that I love more than anything about We Built This City in the first place was the, the lyric and the verse. 
which uh, kind of gets overlooked sometimes because of that strong anthemic chorus. That was probably the reason that the song became such a big hit, but I think sometimes people don't take the time to really delve deeply into the uh, into the uh, lyrics in the verse, which I thought were very interesting. And so that is a lyric from the verse. It goes, knee deep in the hoopla. And so... And based on everything, based on everything that we were going through at that point in time, with the transition from Jefferson Starship to Starship, and members leaving, and leaving members trying to uh, create problems and chaos for those of us who stayed behind, you know, it was a tumultuous time. So I thought that that that, that lyric really kind of uh, um, represented a lot of what we were going through at that point. We were all knee deep in the <laughs> I was about to say, you know, I came up and that song was the biggest song in the world. And anybody I know, if I just walk up and go knee deep in the hoopla, they're going to know exactly yeah. right away what that is. So, yeah, extremely yeah. timeless. That's one of those. I think you guys should come out with a knee deep in the hoopla, too. You know, that's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> you know, we, we did have some T-shirts out a few years ago that kind of focused on that line, knee deep in the hoopla line on the T-shirts, which was kind of cute. But, yeah, you know, yeah, that'd be a great uh, kind of vehicle for, um, you know, not necessarily reinventing Starship, but just kind of maybe uh, going back and trying to do maybe a redo on some of the stuff we were doing back then, you know, uh, with that sound. That, that would be really fun. Knee Deep in the Hoopla revisited or something along those lines. That would be awesome. And I remember, you know, we built this city. A lot of people hear the bubblegum sort of pop sound of the 80s over the top. But as you're yeah. talking earlier, when you get into the lyrics, there are some political statements in there about different things happening. Definitely. The lyrics are pretty deep, you know, and that's what I liked about the lyrics and what I like about, you know, Bernie Taupin wrote the lyrics and, and, you know, he's one of the greatest lyricists in rock and roll history. So I liked that, the kind of the imagery that he was creating when he built the city and the kind of the multi-tone of the, of the lyrics, you know, that could be interpreted in, you know, several different ways. And uh, I've always liked lyrics that were like that, that were, you know, not necessarily just spelled out exactly what you mean but they're very interpretive lyrics and did the video obviously help launch the song even higher because i remember it was sort of some of the earliest computer animation with those giant dice rolling down san francisco yeah. streets and it was just kind of a crazy video that stuck in my head till this day it was it was a crazy video you know it was one of those deals where uh the director that we were working with it was the first time we had worked with him and we didn't really know what to expect and uh you know, he kind of came in with not a real firm concept as to what we were going to be doing. So we kind of came in early in the morning to shoot the video, and we kind of sat around all morning and all day kind of tossing around ideas. And then we said, you know, to hell with it. We're just going to kind of just start shooting, and then we'll kind of develop the concept as we go along. And uh, so that's the reason there was a lot of post-production, particularly with, uh, with the We Built the City video, because – we had to kind of make some sense out of what we had shot. <laughs> and then, of course, you had another huge hit off the album with Sarah, which that is one yeah. of those songs that when you hear it now will take you right back to where you were when you first heard it in the in the 80s and 84, 85. It's just got that sound where you go, I remember when I first heard this song. Yeah. I just saw on Twitter last week that uh, it was the, uh, I forget which day it was, like last Wednesday or Thursday, it said, on this day in 1986, Sarah went number one on Billboard. I thought, oh, I didn't I didn't realize that. Uh, I tell people, if it wasn't for Twitter, I wouldn't know anything about my history. <laughs> but, but, 
so yeah, and Sarah, more than uh, we built this city, was the song from Hoopla that that all of my musician friends, you know, were immediately calling me up and going, "Wow, that is so interesting musically. How did you get this sound or that sound or the voicing on that chord is this or that and that drum sound?" And you know, they were it really uh, for the audiophiles, it really piqued their interest. Uh, you know, as well as the the average listeners on the radio, obviously. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was one that uh, uh, my musician friends asked me the most questions about. Yeah, I'm a bit of an audiophile myself, and it's one of those songs that just sort of has this uh, haunting, like, yeah. overtone to it that just sort of keeps you locked in a place. It's got this sadness to it, you know. Yeah. But it's still just an amazing pop song. Yeah, but you're right. The atmosphere and the vibe is really uh, was really important to that song, and you know we spent a lot of time trying to capture that that atmosphere with uh, not just the music that we put on it, but in the mix. The mix was we went through a lot of mixes on Sarah to get the right one. I just found out looking at your Facebook page that Starship was actually the first band approached to do Danger Zone from Top Gun, the original in 1984. That's true. That's one of my biggest regrets <laughs> music, is that we did not do Danger Zone because that's a, the song that just, when I think about, every time I'm filling out our set list, I think, God, if we just done Danger Zone, it would fit so perfectly right in this slot in the set, you know. But, uh, you know, uh, I'll tell you, the thing was that Grace wasn't too excited about it because she thought that the movie we had seen some footage from the movie that they let us see before it came out and she thought it maybe glorified war a little too much glorified the war machines too much and and i thought well you know you're kind of reading i think too much into this it's just going to be a very entertaining popcorn movie you know and this song is fucking great (laughs) 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 and we should do it but you know, I, I did at the time. I didn't feel it was important enough to like go to war over, or go to battle over. You know, but knowing what I know now, if I'd known then, I would have pushed a lot harder for us to do Danger Zone. I'm sorry, I dropped the f bomb on you. <laughs> no, we're perfectly fine, my friend. This is uh, all on tape, so it's it's no worries on my end. You can say how whatever you want to say, buddy. Great, thanks. So, um, uh, and, and you know, I mean, I've talked to Kenny about it. You know, we kind of chuckle about it a little bit you know we uh he he knew that someone had passed on it back in 1986 it was when uh we were offered it but uh but he always thought for so many years that it was journey that passed on the song and then several years later we had a show together and we started talking about it i said no it was starship man and he said oh wow i thought it was journey for all these years oh wow well, we were the idiots. <laughs> you guys ran into a studio and you uh, kind of put the song together a little bit. Are you going to be whipping that one out on stage anytime soon, or was that just for fun? It was kind of just for fun. People are always asking me, like, well, what would it have sounded like, you know, if Starship had done it instead of Kenny? And, uh, and so we thought, well, you know, let's go in the studio and kind of do like a rough version just to see how it would sound. And we kind of threw it out there on social media just to kind of see what people's reaction would be. We haven't actually included it in the live show yet but um you know it might be fun to throw that in at some point and say you know it's kind of like this is the one that got away yeah see i was just thinking the same thing you could come out on stage and everybody loves a great story about a song and you could just tell the audience how it was supposed to be you and then just whip into danger zone and everybody go crazy for it i think we should do it 
I'm I'm down. I want to see it on right. April 1st. If you guys got it together, I think everybody would go nuts. It'd be awesome. All right. We just might do that. At least maybe a, maybe a little bit of it. You know? Yeah, Very like cool. a verse and a chorus. You know, give yeah. them a little taste. <laughs> exactly. Hey, um, who is in Starship featuring Mickey Thomas now? Let's give some of the band members that are uh, out there on the road with you a little name yeah. drop and some credibility. Who's in the band? Well, the band, uh, the, the the nucleus of this band has been together for so long. Uh, most of the guys in this band have been with me longer than anybody I ever played with in any incarnation of Jefferson Starship or Starship. My drummer, Daryl Verdusco, has been with me for 30 years. That's right, 30 wow. years. Uh, my keyboard player, Phil Bennett, has been with me for 28 years. My That's amazing. Player, yeah. Yeah, Jeff Adams on bass has been with me for 21 years. And John Roth, the great John Roth on, the, on guitar, has been with me for 10 years. And then our newest member, our female vocalist, Sean Coey, has been with me for about a year and a half now. And she is dynamite. You guys are going to love her. It sounds like you've got a similar situation to Foreigner, where none of the yeah. necessarily original members are in Foreigner, but the ones who are in the band have been in there longer than any of some of the originals. Exactly. So that's who Foreigner is now. Yeah, exactly. And my, and my good, so funny you mentioned that. My my good friend Jeff Pilson is in Foreigner and has been for a long time, and I keep in touch with Jeff pretty regularly. Uh, yeah, I got to interview him sometime last year. He's a he's a great dude. So that's awesome. to know you guys great are guy. friends. Great guy, man. All right. Before we go, and uh, I don't know if this is a possibility or not, but I was going to put another little idea in your ear, and this is going to harken back to the knee-deep in the hoopla concept. If at any time you and the folks, because there's another touring group of the Jefferson Airplane, and I think they're going out with Brett Michaels on the Party Gras, maybe one of you you guys combine for an ultra-mega tour and just call it the knee-deep in the hoopla tour with every iteration that ever was Starship. (laughs) That might be. I've thought that's crossed my mind before. Uh, We have actually toured with the idea of of the two bands kind of trying to put it together somehow and see how that would work. Um, You know, they are... uh, The only problem is that recently they've started incorporating some of the Starship songs into their set. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, I guess if we were to put the two bands together, I'd say, look, you guys are going to have to give those up. (laughs) I'm going to be singing those. (laughs) I say the more on stage, the merrier and just have a giant jam. (laughs) Who knows, man? It's a crazy world. Why not? It is. Mickey Thomas with Starship. Thank you for taking the time, Colin. And can't wait to see you on the first. Uh, I'm excited to get to introduce you guys on stage. It'll be awesome. And uh, we're going to have a great time. Oh, you're so welcome, man. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I know this festival has been around for a long, long time. So we're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for your time, Mickey. Have a great day, my friend. You too. See you there. Thank you, buddy. We will. All right. Bye-bye. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.